This is Ryan Elliott for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. We're in Sheffield today. We've just had the GB squad announced ahead of the Olympic qualifiers next month, looking ahead to Tokyo 2020. With me, Rob McCracken. Rob, talk to me about this exciting crop of young fighters we've got. Yeah, obviously selection's done for the first qualifier in London, so it's uh, going to be exciting for the boxers. We're obviously a big challenge ahead in London. Now, obviously, these guys used to fight in here, there and everywhere as top-tier amateurs. They're not used to fighting at home so much. How beneficial do you think it'll be for a lot of them to have their loved ones there, the fans there as well, cheering them on? Yeah, I think it's just great for them. They're normally travelling all over the world, boxing in tournaments in the East, in the West, wherever. But, um, yeah, I just think it'd be nice. It must be great for them to see their families watching them trying to qualify for the Olympics. Now, obviously, you've been there, done it, when it comes to the amateur scene, the Olympic Games. There's a lot of first-timers in this group. In your own words, can you explain that unique experience of going to the Olympics compared to, say, a Worlds or a Europeans? Yeah, I think it's just the, the, the pinnacle of amateur boxing, isn't it? I think from you know, their families, their clubs, their club coach, and, and obviously arriving at GB and then becoming a successful international class boxer gets them to an Olympic qualifier. And, and the ultimate goal is to qualify for the Olympics. So, um, you know, there's a lot, a lot on the line. Uh, the careers, you know, they put all the effort and work into. And it's our job to try and help them get to that point where they're good enough at the tournament to qualify. There's a number of bouts to try and qualify in London. There's a second qualifier in Paris. So um, the right boxers have been picked for the first qualifier. But certainly, you know, there's a pressure trying to qualify in a home in a in a home tournament. And also, you know, there's a second qualifier, so it becomes open again after the first one. If you don't qualify. You know, you're not always guaranteed to be selected for the second one. So there's a reserve boxer who will be waiting to, to you know, jump in, and they'll get a chance in in the meantime to go to tournaments and try and prove their case for the second qualifier if the first boxer doesn't qualify in London. Obviously, you've been performance director for just over 10 years now, I believe it is. We've got all these Olympic medalists on the walls around us. We've got your own collection over there, eight medalists since you took over. We're running out of space on that wall. Do you expect we'll be adding a few more 2020? Well, I hope so, because it's just fabulous for the boxers and their lives and their careers and their families and stuff. So let's hope it can continue. We've got some great coaches here, great team, great boxers. But, um, yeah, the, the competition's tough in boxing. The world's got good at boxing. Everybody's full-time these days, so there's no easy draws. And whoever you draw, you know, you have to respect and you have to train very hard for. Every fighter I've spoken to today has been very complimentary of not only yourself, but the setup as well. As mentioned, you've been here just over a decade. If you can, could you just sort of sum up for me the, the big changes and the transformation you've sort of overseen in the last 10 years? Yeah, I think we've been fortunate that, and the boxers have been fortunate that there's been funding. We've been able to, you know, bring them in full time, centralise the programme. And, you know, the boxers have bought in over the years and, you know, the home nations, the boxers and, you know, the belief. And you've got, you've got to have role models around the place. You know, big Anthony Joshua, big Josh, as I call him, you know, he's been a fantastic role model. Carl Frotch before him and they inspire the kids and obviously... Josh being, you know, the Olympic gold medalist, they look at him and they train sometimes alongside him and say, well, if I work hard and, I, you know, I believe in myself, maybe I can achieve that. So it's really important for this programme we've had role models. It's important we've been able to bring in really good coaches, really good support and give the best for the boxers so they get the best chance at trying to, you know, win medals at Worlds, Europeans and Olympic Games.
Now, obviously, fantastic facilities here, the best boxing education they could probably ask for, but with the Olympic Games comes pressure as well, as you spoke of before. How do you sort of help them deal with that sort of expectation, in a way, and also all the pressure that just sort of comes alongside it? Yeah, I think the vast majority of the boxers selected are battle-hardened. They've been to numerous tournaments, world Europeans and stuff. Some of them have been to Olympic Games before. There's one or two that are fairly inexperienced at senior level, so you know we'll help prepare them with support and stuff along the way, but... Um, you know, it's, it's just a fantastic opportunity to box in London in an Olympic qualifier. It's one that we're, we're grateful of, but obviously one that brings an added pressure that we've got to try and get them in the best place, the best shape, so they can go out and perform. But, you know, boxing's a fantastic sport, and, you know, what an achievement for them to be selected for the qualifier and hopefully qualify. Now, Rob, I'm not going to stand here and make you talk about Anthony Joshua all day because he doesn't have fight news. Uh, we're still awaiting. We think it'll be Kubrat Pulev, but just some final reflections, if you would. Obviously, we haven't seen you since the Andy Ruiz fight. A few tweaks in camp, brilliant result. Do you think we saw something close to a peak, Anthony Joshua? Yeah, I think he, um, he, he just showed you how intelligent he can box and he stayed disciplined. You know, he worked hard in camp, he listened. You know, we had a good team in camp helping prepare him. Joby and Angel did really well working on the pads to try and help him uh, get things right. I was overseeing most of the pad stuff, the sparring, um, you know, I looked after and he sparred really well. I was really pleased with the sparring because um, he really reacted and when it, you know, I asked him to achieve certain things in this week and that week, he did that. He was very driven, very determined and you know, you've got a lot of people around him, Benger and stuff, who've worked with him since he turned professional. You know, so um, you know, there's a lot of people that are, all, uh, are with Josh from from the start of the journey to the end of the journey. But certainly, um, he was driven. He was determined. You know, he, he believed in himself. He accepted the rematch the day after the, the fight in New York. And um, I just think he's he's a real role model. And I just think he shows to the kids all over the UK and certainly in Sheffield at the GB at HQ what you can achieve in life with a bit of belief and a bit of hard work. Final one on that, after the first Ruiz fight, there was a lot of criticism for, as always, when, when a defeat comes of that magnitude, to yourself, to Anthony, you two so close-knit, stuck together, worked through it and produced a performance like that. Was it nice from a personal perspective to sort of silence those doubters as well? Well, I just think it's, I mean, the criticism is just, it's, it's I don't know, it, it just looks a bit naive when you look at actually what went on in the rematch and and you know how, how fairly one-sided the rematch was. So I don't know. I suppose if you criticise, I suppose um, you you know you you've probably got to look at yourself a little bit because the rematch was a totally different story. And um, you know if, if you don't succeed in life, get back up and try again. And that that should be the message to you know people who want to criticise instantly before they fully understand something going on or a journey. Final couple before I let you go, Rob. It's a busy time for the family. We saw Max recently. He's got his hands full with the Yafais. Cal Yafai finally got that big fight he wanted. How happy are you for Cal personally and the team as well to be facing Roman Gonzalez? Yeah, brilliant for Cal. Cal's another one I didn't mention him, but Cal's you know been up here on numerous times to spar and stuff over the years. Former GB boxer, qualified for London, went to the Beijing Olympic Games before my time, lost to the Cuban, but... Uh, Seventh world title for, for, fight for Kalaja Fai. What an achievement from Birmingham, where I'm from. And um, I think he's going to win in America, and I think he can push on from that. He's a really good fighter, Kalaja Fai. I think we'll see the best of him now that he has got that big name in front of him. He's been accused maybe of treading water waiting for that big fight. You think a, a world class fighter in Roman Gonzalez will bring out the best Khalifa? Yeah, I think without a doubt, but I think Khalid's top class as well, and this is his seventh world title fight, and I think um, he's good enough to get the win, but it's going to be tough, we know that. 
Final one before I let you go, Rob. Obviously, later in the month, a fight I'm sure you'll have a close eye on. Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury running it back. I'm sure all of you, yourself, Anthony, will be keeping a firm eye on it. How do you see it playing out? Um, listen, it's, you know, Tyson's not daft. He knows Wilder can punch, and Wilder's got ability as well. He's a great fighter, but um, I think Tyson will win on points. I think he'll outbox him, and uh, I think that... Um, you know, Tyson will be in good shape. I think he'll have a good game plan, and I think he'll get the job done. I really do. But, but at the same time, very, very dangerous, top-level heavyweight boxing. So, um, you know, um, anything can happen. But my, my predictions: Tyson, Tyson will outboxing. Rob, final word. Obviously, we've been here for the Olympians, so I just want to finish on that. This big qualifying event coming up in in March in London. What would you say to those considering coming down and getting behind these these boys and girls? Yeah, without a doubt, if you you know if you can get to the qualifier, get there because you know you got the, the best you know some of the best boxers in the UK, Olympic boxers trying to qualify for the Olympics and and fulfil their dream. And there's, you know there's a lot of people on their journey with them, families, club coaches, clubs, home nations, whatever, and certainly uh, try and roar them on over the line so they can try and do it. And there's another there's another qualifier in Paris in May, and if they don't do it in London, let's hope they can do it in. Uh, Paris. Rob, thank you very much for your time. Best of luck with everything. I'm sure we see the qualifiers. Thank you. Danny Flexen here for Seconds Out with Luther Clay, a welterweight. Obviously, we're here at Boxing Booth Gym, brand new um, in Merstham. Is that how you say it? Yeah, you tell me. But it's lovely. Um, I've been to the old gym, no disrespect to it, it's lovely there too. But this is a, a step up, I would say, and it's a lot more holistic. There's a lot more going on here than just the boxing elements of the gym. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Um, I mean, it's my second week here, uh, setting up training with um, Adam Martin. Um, so I think there's gonna be, it's going to be open to the public as well, like a lot of uh, PT classes. And um, I think, I, I don't know too much about that. I'm just concentrating on uh, training by myself. But yeah, it's a it's very nice gym facilities. It's nice to have a gym that's not cold. It's even got a shower and a sauna in there. So it's got everything you want. How does it compare to where you were before with Adam? Because obviously he's based out of here full time now. Adam Martin, that is. Uh, this is my f first uh, fight training with Adam Martin. Um, so I never worked with him before. But um, to, compared to where I was training, it was good because um, it's a lot more convenient for me, it's closer. Uh, I was previously training in Southampton, hour 30 minutes from where I am in Bracknell. This is like 40, 45 minutes and a gym, like I said, it's got all the facilities, it's warm, it's nice, it's clean, it's everything, it's good. What was it that made you switch trainers? Because it's not like you're on a poor run of form. I think you've won something like eight in a row. You've got the WBO Global Belt. You've just come off a good win against Freddie Kowit. I was ringside for that. Very, very interesting fight, really enjoyed it clear winner as well what what made you switch trainers uh for me there was there was a couple things um more more like the the relationship was was it was okay it was a working relationship but we'd been working together since our term professional for like three years and i think it got a bit stale and we had different opinions on different things and then also i think the main contributing factor was like the drive it was an hour, 30 minutes from Bracknell to Southampton, doing that every day, um, quite taxing on me. Um, so that was the main thing in the drive. I just thought, need somewhere closer because I'm not getting enough time to rest or spending too much time in the car. You know, I was just feeling like it was too much. So um, the link up with Adam Martin happened a bit organically. 
we were sparring over in Stallard's gym when Booth was based in there while this place was been. And then he watched me spar. And then um, he'd asked who my trainer was at the moment, blah, blah, blah. And then after, after the, the Freddie Kiewit fight happened, that's when the link up happened. What sort of things are you guys concentrating on? It's very early in your working relationship, but what are the areas he's looking to improve in you specifically? Uh, for me, my main problem has always been like punch mechanics, like delivering a punch, like I'll land a lot of punches, but I won't be using my uh, whole body. It more be like using my arms, so it's more... So things like shoulder rotation, hip rotation. Hip rotation, that kind of stuff. Where I'm quite new to boxing, I understand how to throw the punches, but my body's—I haven't been used to like still getting used to throwing like your body into it. So it's that kind of stuff. At the moment, we're waiting on an opponent to be finalised. Um, so you know, we're just working on that at the moment. Because in terms of my boxing IQ, my boxing IQ there—it's just little things I need to tweak and work on. Yeah. When do you think you'll next be out? You said you're waiting for an opponent, but have you got a date or a venue? We've got like an uh, an advisory date. It's March time, mid March. So that's when we're looking to be out. And uh, as soon as an opponent's like finalised, then we can pro probably start like uh, making game plans and stuff like that. But right now it's just training, working on the things I need to work on and fitness, obviously. Last few fights have been obviously on matchroom shows. Good win over Kuwait, good win out in Italy as well. You know, very impressed with that. So what what's the situation with matchroom? Is it an ongoing relationship? Will we see you back on Sky Sports? As far as I am concerned, I don't know anything about the promotion, that kind of side. Um, my, my manager, Al Siesta, Siesta Boxing, he handles all of that. I don't have any communication with Matchroom or Eddie. Um, he does all of that. So like, whether I'll be on another Matchroom card or not, I'd hope so, because I believe it's the best platform in the UK and arguably even across the world. So like, hopefully I'll be back on their uh, cards, but we'll wait and see. Does that give you a bit of extra motivation when you know you're going to be on a TV show and specifically a kind of a matchroom Sky Sports big event type show? Um, yeah, I mean, the motivation is always to win because right now where I'm at, the, the opponents are getting tough. They keep getting tougher and I'm going up in the rankings both in the UK. I think I'm ranked five now or six and then in the world like 79. So it's going to be getting tough regardless. So there's motivation to win. The ultimate thing is getting money and being able to support myself. and. Uh, being on TV on Sky obviously allows me to do that so yeah I guess it is motivation in a way. Have you got your own family or you got a partner or children anything like that yet? No I've got no uh, family no children um, uh, so that, that's, that's good because I don't have any dependents or anything so that makes my life a whole lot easier just concentrating on boxing so but you know in the near future obviously want to go that way so you know you've got to start setting yourself to be able to support yourself through boxing. What's the kind of route you want to take? Is it the, the big domestic fights that will sell well in this country? Is it kind of climbing up those WBO rankings now you've got a, a fringe WBO belt? What's your plan? For me, um, it's whatever really, whatever is beneficial to me. Um, there's gonna, I'm always down for domestic fights, but I'm also looking to, to go up the world rankings uh, and do that WBO route a step at a time. But really, it just depends what's there. If I get offered a, a, a good domestic fight and it's good money and a televised show, I'll take it. But if I get offered a domestic fight and it's like your call on a, on a YouTube stream, I'll be like, no, it doesn't make sense. It's just whatever makes business sense, whatever makes sense for my career. But there goes my offer of our YouTube stream of the next York Call show. But yeah, um, have you sparred Josh Kelly since you've been here just, uh, or, or in the past? But I haven't sparred Josh yet. Um, I, I've only just come into camp. I think in my second week of camp. I'll probably start sparring this week, so 
towards the end of this week if they need sparring I'll hop in. But I've done many rounds with Josh and he's oh he's looking sharp as always anyway. He's got obviously Avanasian coming up and a fight that's been much talked about. You're not exactly a carbon copy of Avanasian, it's fair to say, but you physically dimension wise you're not too far off, but obviously there's a bit more guile in your work and a bit more intelligence perhaps. Uh, I think I've sparred Avanasian before actually. Uh, this was very early in my career. Um, I think I when I spied Avanissian, it was very hard to judge because when you're a young pro and you spy an experienced guy, you don't know how hard they're going. So it's very. But when I spied Josh, he's been going 100%. And when I spied Avanissian, I don't know how to range hard. But I think from the dimension side, I think Josh will be able to handle him. But it's whether. Avanissian is very good on the inside. Like, he'll get you on the inside and he won't throw one or twos. He'll throw like four or five punches in a barrage. So. If whether Josh can handle that and uh, it seems like Vinicius is getting his power back because before he was quite a hard puncher then he like slowed down a bit now he's coming back up so it's going to be interesting whether you know Josh is going to be able to handle that I'm sure he will he's sparring with a lot of people hard puncher uh, so it's going to be interesting it's a very I think it's a very good fight at this stage of his career Vinicius former world titleist if you got to remember that and um, Josh is definitely up there in the world ranking so it's interesting. You're not picking a winner, I can tell. <laughs> I, I, I think I think Josh will do it. I think Josh will do it. Physically, from the dimensions kind of side and the work that Josh works on, I think he can do it. But like I say, um, the power lies with Avanissian, without a doubt. But I think the boxing brain, the IQ, the defence is with Kelly. So it's, it's going to be interesting. And just before we let you go, there'll be people that have seen you maybe on Sky Sports, maybe the Italy show, maybe the more recent show, want to know a bit more about you. How can they find you on different social media? Uh, I'm always on Instagram, uh, Black Panther Boxing, and on uh, Twitter, LuthorClay95. Uh, those are my main pages, yeah. Brilliant. All right, well, we wish you the very best of luck when the date gets confirmed, and yeah, we'll see you in action, say. This is Andy Peroff, Boxing Social, and I'm joined by Special K, Carl Brook, here in his hometown of Sheffield. Carl, how are you doing? Very well. It's good to hear. Obviously, you're going in now facing Mark DeLuca, your first fight in 14 months. How are you feeling ahead of it? I'm feeling out of this world. You know, um, everything has gone to plan. I'm fit well, and uh, I am ready now to go. What do you know about Mark? Just talk to me about your opponent. I know that he's, a, he's, a, he's an ex-Marine, he's very fit, he comes to fight, he learns by his mistakes, he had one loss, he came back on the fight after and beat the guy, you know, so he's very confident, he's told my promoter already in that he's going to, you know, br broke me up, you know, so, but we've got other plans, we've got other plans and this is my sitter, this is, this is you know, he's, he can't come to my city and start trying to broke me up, I do the broken up, so basically I'm ready to broke this cat, guy up. I remember after the Zarafa fight, was, you know, Eddie said that would, that would possibly be the last time we'd see you in Sheffield as you look towards world titles, etc. Are you surprised that your career's kind of done this 360 and you're back here fighting again? You know, I'm not surprised. Everything's for a reason, and uh, you know, I love being back in Sheffield, in City, you know, in Sheffield. But um, everything's for a reason. You know, mentally wasn't right maybe back then, 
but now I'm mentally, spiritual, physical, everything is on point and uh, the time is now, you know, 2020 is the year. These 14 months, I'm sure they've been a bit of a whirlwind for you, trying to get certain fights which haven't come off. What's it been for, for you with regards to your mentality? How have you dealt with that? I just had to deal with it, you know, no, what can you do? What can you do? You know, I uh, got a bit down about it, but bottom line, what can you do? You know, but that's past me now. We're here, we've been training, we've got a fight on Saturday, and we'll move forward. Obviously, you've worked with Dominic throughout your career. How key do you think that link-up was to maybe working through that period? You know, you know it's, the door's always open there for me, you know. it's uh, I've been there since I was nine years old, Brendan Ingle. You know, uh, took me through, took me through the rankings. I've been there since I was nine. You know, so you know the door's always open. The door's always open there for me. You know, my heart's in the, in the gym and in the, with the Ingles, and uh, that's all. That's all we can say on that. You know that. So, what is the plan then moving forwards? If Saturday goes to plans, what what has Eddie said to you with regards to the rest of 2020? I've not really uh, seen much of it, but I know that he'll have something uh, in store for me. I just need to perform Saturday and uh, we move forward into two of the big fights. People will naturally too much. People will naturally have kind of concerns about you getting back in the ring with regards to ring rust and that. How can you try and assure everybody that there won't be any issues come Saturday? Well, uh, I'll just go back on an old fighter, Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard had a long time. I come back and box Marvin Agler, the main man, you know, at the time and beat him. So, you know, ring rust, forget ring rust, you know, I'm just going to go out there. Have fun, you know, and uh, what I've been doing in the gym, if I mirror what, that in the fight, it's going to be, uh, it won't last long. And obviously, the Amir Khan fight, not to touch on it like, too much, but as that seems to be dead now, what, how does that feel for you? Do you think there is any possibility that it would happen down the line? Or? No, it's dead in my mind, you know, it's dead. I want to fight guys, what want to fight. Well, Carl, before I let you shoot as well, two weeks away, World of Fury 2, what are your thoughts on it? I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I love the both, both of the guys. You know, I said I'd never back against Fury after he got put down against Wilder the first time. You know, so you've got to give his Joe. You know, he's come from he's come from the lowest of the low and, and come all rise to the top, and now he's the man. You know, so it's going to be a fantastic fight. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there ringside to watch it. Well, Carl, before I let you go, what would you like to say to everybody ahead of Saturday? Tune in, Carl. Thank you. This is Andy Parole for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm joined by Adam Smith, the head of Sky Sports Boxing Development. Adam, a, a, a new title for yourself now. Obviously, I hope you're doing well, but just inform everybody about the change in your role moving forwards. Yeah, it's a slightly different change. Um, something I asked for a, a while back. Um, I'm it's the head of boxing development. It's, uh, it's very similar for you guys, I guess. What I'm going to be concentrating uh, more on, though, is I'm, uh, uh, I'm going to be doing the commercial side, the strategy, the business side. Um, with uh, my deputy manager director Jonathan Licht and we are we're going to be working on the commercial aspects of obviously our, our deal with Matrum, our you know communication with Eddie and 
our deal with Anthony Joshua and um, you know all the, the boxing that comes into Sky. Um, my production team is going to be sitting under a slightly different area um, under Georgie Faulkner who is the director of multi-sports, uh, looks after a, a number of different sports and Ed Robinson will be running the day-to-day -day production team. Um, so I'll be moving into the commercial area but I'll also still be the lead commentator and uh, back for the big fights and nights and um, still doing that side. So yeah, it's something that uh, I wanted to do to, to broaden out into the sort of commercial uh, area of, of the sport. Um, and also I, uh, I mentor uh, uh, Sky Sports Scholars. I, I looked after Savannah Marshall for, for many years. I really enjoy that side of things. I look after a tennis player called Daniel Altmaier um, and also uh, support a number of the other scholars. So yeah, I want to do um, slightly more sort of front-facing work with Sky, but, uh, but I'll be uh, concentrating most of my time on the commercial side of boxing, making sure that the next couple of years we're uh, delivering the best we can to, to Sky Sports, obviously. Um, and I'll be, you know, back seeing you guys for all the big fights and nights. So it's, it's, it, it's, a, it's a slight change. That's all it is. And it's something I'm really excited about, uh, really excited about getting my teeth into. Um, you know, I've told Anthony Joshua, I've told Eddie, obviously, and it's, um, it's going to obviously uh, be great stuff key relationship building um, you know all that sort of stuff and, and uh, making sure that we deliver the best boxing we can to Sky um, and that the production team can uh, you know utilize their magic to make it look spectacular so um, so yeah really excited about Andy obviously good to hear that we won't see the last of you as of yet Adam Hi. but just to talk, just to touch on you mentioned you know working with Eddie Matchroom uh, AJ etc working on the strategies and commercial side as far as I'm aware, it's 2021 the deal with Matchroom runs out. When do negotiations look to begin to extend that deal now we're in 2020? Absolutely, it's a good question. We're always talking. You know, um, we, we, we're very, very close to, to Matchroom in a number of ways. We have been for many years. Um, very fond of Eddie and Barry and everything they've done for Sky and, and the Darts is another amazing success over the Christmas period. Spencer Olive and I even went to do a bit of guest commentary on, which was a lot of fun. Um, so that's great, you know, and there's uh, the relationship's been been there for so long, you know, back in the days when Johnny Washusen was sort of, you know, basically running it with, with Barry and, and then Eddie comes in and it's been, he's transformed boxing, hasn't he, Eddie and Frank and, and Matram. It's been a fantastic relationship and we want this to continue. You know, we want it to go long to the future. No, no questions there. But yeah, so I think, you know, we, we you start talking right now and it's it's uh, it's, a, it's an ongoing conversation. Obviously, there's there's his relationship with his own in, in the US, but, you know, it will come down to the fact that, you know, we believe we are the platform that, that uh, um, Matchroom will want to be on, and uh, you know we're we're excited. We we, we love working with them, and uh, and and it's great. Um, you know, through that we've also got the the golden contract, and uh, that's come out this year, which is brilliant. You know, we've had a uh, Eddie's, you know, done some really good deals for us, and also we've gone out and. and you know, brought in the likes of Deontay Wilder from PBC. You know, we've uh, worked closely with Top Rank on some shows, as has Eddie. So, you know, there's there's opportunities to continue doing that and, and bringing the best boxing to Sky. But uh, yeah, we are. It's a great relationship with with Matchroom and Eddie, and uh, it does run out in, in in autumn next year. So I should think, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be be looking to tie that up and uh, and, and move forward with it. And, and it, it runs concurrently with Anthony Joshua as well. So we're spending a lot of time with uh, with AJ's team. You know, obviously they they won the belts back it's, it was a fantastic achievement out in Saudi uh, he's an ambassador for us and so it's really important that we utilize that in the right way he's a he's a wonderful role model for British sport you know he's uh, he's got his belts back we can't wait for his next appearance in a in a few months time hopefully here in Britain and um, you know onwards but yeah very exciting times and uh, hopefully we'll be uh, looking to yeah deliver all of that for uh, for Sky Sports future Final thing on the commercial side and everything to do with that. Obviously, 
you mentioned the, the we've mentioned the matchroom deal running until 2021, but with regards to the budgets, etc. I know football obviously takes for a lot of the money that Sky will be able to put into sports. How much does that change your decision making with regards to what can be offered to, to matchroom and to AJ, etc. Amongst other fighters, how much of an impact will that have on the deals you'll be able to produce? Well, we just have to look at what's what there is at the time. I mean, ultimately, Sky Sports box office and Sky Sports are, are slightly different entities. You know, Sky Sports box office events is is obviously a a, a, a different thing. Sky Sports is, you know, we are part of a, a, a number of sports, and uh, you know, we'll look closely at what we decide to spend on 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 each fight night, for example, or on each you know each year we we put boxing on Sky Sports. Um, whereas the box office model is is different, and we know that the big fight you know I go on box office now and, and that we we turn them into to slightly different shows bigger build-ups you know bigger razzmatazz amongst them and we know that that's what's happened but obviously with DAZN pumping a lot of money into America and top rank really increasing their stable and and obviously the, the, the signing of people like Tyson Fury and uh, Josh Taylor um, and PBC have got you know a, a huge a huge outfit there and they've got their deals with Showtime and Fox as ESPN there's, there's this huge amounts obviously BT have got a cracking stable with Frank Warren who's looking to do the double wide Joyce fight he's obviously got Fury and Wilder in a, a couple of weeks there's competition all around us so we want to make sure that we are you know still the place to come for boxing um, in the UK and 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 globally, uh, the big nights, and uh, we put the sparkle on, but we'll make sure we make the right decisions uh, from a financial and business point of view as well. Moving right from all the commercial side of things, Adam, obviously we're here in Sheffield, Carl Brook returns, first time he's fighting in 14 months. What exactly should we expect from him on Saturday night? Will we expect to see that ring rust? Are we expecting to see a, 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 a much less version of what we've been used to seeing in the past? What should we expect? Just seeing Dominic Ingle out of the corner of my eye. The first thing is I'm really pleased that Kelbrook is back with Dominic. Uh, look, he seems to have the fire in his belly again. He's been out a long time and he didn't look good against Zarafa. So, yeah, it's slightly worrying. Um, will the reflexes be there? Will the sharpness, will the speed, will the power? If the answer to those, those, those questions is yes, and he does a real job on De Luca on Saturday night, then I think that, you know, we, we can see Kelbrook back fighting for world titles again. But it's, uh, it's a long gap. Um, and it's not just about mentally whether he's in the right place, it's about physically how he looks in the ring because we know that you know, reflexes and speed catches up with fighters and you know, Kel's had a, a long career already um, and he hasn't you know, shone in a while and I think that's what he needs to do on Saturday. I think if he struggles, which you know, he may do against a tough, you know, strong American who we've seen a few times before and yes, you know, Kel on his best day is, is, is a class or three above, you know, he's an elite fighter, so he should be able to deal with Saturday night and deal with, you know, in, in emphatic style. But if he doesn't, it's because of what's happened. It's because of the, you know, the hard fights with Golovkin and with, with, with Errol Spence. And, you know, the fact is he's now at the weight that he should have been, I believe, for a while. And, and you know, that's a good sign. He's back in Winkerbank where it all started. And I think, you know, look, he's been given the platform. Um, he says he's hungrier than ever. He says he's feeling sharp, and the proof comes on Saturday in the ring. And I think if he can look dazzling, Kelbrook can come again, no question. And we can start talking again about world titles or <laughs> Amir Khan or whatever. But but I think until Saturday's out of the way, we won't know. It's a it's an important night for him. It's a very important night too for Kid Galahad, and it's a very important night. It's a real opportunity for Terry Harper too. So three fighters as as always with these big nights under a lot of pressure 
just to stick with Cal for now, what should we expect from Mark DeLuca? How exactly are you expecting the fight to play out between them? I've seen DeLuca a few times. I've commentated on him um, out in America. He's a very strong, tough, game, hard guy. You know, obviously he's got the army background. He's He's fit, he's, uh, he's decent, and, and as I said, if Kel doesn't get rid of him, he's going to be in for a tough night. But in terms of skill and pedigree and all of that, you know, you've got to give Brooke um, you know, the, you know, everything in that department. The, the thing is, it's about timing, you know. I've always said boxing is about two things. It's about levels and it's about timing. Levels, Kel Brook should be well above Mark DeLuca. Timing, maybe not. So uh, that's the interesting thing. If timing is still perfect for Kel Brook on Saturday night, he should do a number on him and he should be very impressive. If it's not, he'll struggle. And obviously, you mentioned about elusive Amir Khan fight. Is that something that still does interest you, Adam? Because walking around this week, a few people have kind of said, because he's obviously dragged on for so long, we've lost interest in it. Is it something that you still would love to see? Or Andy, it's another good point, you know. Getting a cab here today, and the guy was saying to me, they're big boxing fans, aren't they, the cab drivers? And they were saying, uh, you know, we're, we're sort of bored of it now, and, you know, it's, they're both sort of over the hill. But, look, I think Khan Brook still is a, is a big fight. Maybe not as big as it once was, but it's a big fight. The problem is it's no nearer being made. I was standing in this room, I think, three or four years ago, whenever, uh, maybe three years ago, when Khan fought Canelo, when he went, he sort of, it was being talked about heavily then. And he went off and fought Canelo and, and, and that didn't work out for him. But he got a lot of money, but he got knocked out. That was the time, I think, when the fight was, was there to be made. And I think then we tried under the matchroom banner with both of them there. But look, it's it, the weight thing. Maybe it's egos. Maybe it's just money. Who knows? But it's been harder and harder to make it happen. I think we've got a few months. And I think if it doesn't happen, it's going to add to the long list of the Calzaghe Frotches, the Hatton Witters, the Lewis Bows that never got made. And it's a real shame, I think, for, for fight fans. But they are... The two fighters, they're the ones that get in the ring and put their lives on the line. They're the ones that, that box to, to, to get paid and they've got to look after their own interests. So uh, it's a shame because I think they could have had two, three fights and uh, you know, it could have been like a Frochko's rivalry and they could have made a lot of money and a lot of people happy. But if they're not prepared to do it, then uh, unfortunately we can't physically make them. Um, but it is still out there, I think. If both of them look good in, the ne in their next fights, it's still a possibility. So uh, it's not dead in the water, but um, I think it's more unlikely at this stage now. On to Kid Galahad, Kid Galahad facing Marrero in a final eliminator for the RBF title. Obviously, he's unsuccessful against Josh Warrington when he fought him last year. What should we expect in that bout? I think it's a hard fight. I think it's a really good fight. I think it's a pick and fight. It's a final eliminator. I think Kid Galahad did well against Josh Warrington. You know, he believed he was robbed. I didn't think he was robbed. It was a very close fight. I think Josh has been incredible in the last two or three years. And obviously, we work with him closely in, in the sort of build-up. And Frank Warren's done a great job with him. You know, he's got he's, he's, he's had some great performances. He's built a massive following in Leeds. I've got nothing but huge respect for Josh Warrington. I think he's a wonderful guy and a wonderful fighter. Um, and, you know, I, I think it was a close fight. You know, Kid Galahad, it was a messy, it was a horrible fight. You know, I'm sure Josh doesn't want to go there again, but Kid Galahad, if he wins on Saturday night, will get his world title shot again, and, and deservedly so. He's, uh, he's up there amongst the best. He's had his, his problems in the past. He's had the, the drug issue, which kept him out for a long time. But, he's, you know, he's stayed fit. He's knuckled down. He's, he's kept himself in, in, in and amongst it. He's, uh, he's a lovely guy to, to talk to out of the ring, and he's very disciplined uh, in it. Um, but it's a big, big fight for him. I think if he doesn't win this, he's, uh, you know, you, you wonder where he goes from there. So it's, uh, it's really important but he's in a tough one you know uh, it's a final eliminator this guy's not come over to uh, to, to, to uh, well he's come over to win and, and go on and, and, and fight for a world title himself so um, yeah it's tough
And on to Dave Allen. Dave Allen, obviously, very popular over social media. He's got a, built himself a brilliant following over the years. But I was speaking to him yesterday, I did an interview, and he said that on his way back in the ambulance to the hospital on the back of a price defeat, he, he said he felt he was paralysed for between 40 minutes to two hours. With that type of knowledge, do you feel that it is right for him to continue boxing, or do you think he should maybe be looking to go into pastures new? Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? And it's not for us to decide. You know, there's, um, there's stringent med medical tests. There's, you know, obviously, mentally and physically, you want fighters to be in the right frame of mind to get in the ring. So we don't license them. That's not our, our decision. We broadcast. But obviously, we get close to fighters and we want the best for them. It was a tough, tough defeat to David Price. And, you know, people were saying afterwards that he's been in a bad place, that he's, you know, he swings you know he has issues he's, he's been open about you know his his uh, his mental health and and you just want to make sure he's in the right frame of mind i don't spend every day with david allen but you know he's great when he's around here he's, he's he brightens up the scene he's uh, he's been terrific in the ring uh, you know at whatever level he's he's a great he's a great addition to the scene and uh, you know I've seen him today, he looks fantastic, Nick. If he's in great physical and mental shape, then absolutely continue with your boxing career and let's hope that he goes on from strength to strength. But as I said, it's not for us to judge, it's for those closer around him, it's for people that can you know, be around And it's also for himself to look in the mirror and, 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 and be honest with himself. But if he's right and ready, then we welcome him. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's fantastic to have around the scene, but yeah, the health of fighters is the most important, obviously. I mean, obviously, Terry Harper versus Eva Wallstrom. Some people saying it would probably be the fight of the night in their eyes. Is that one that you can see being going down like that? Cannot wait. I think Terry Harper has been absolutely superb in the last couple of years. She's uh, she's really got everybody talking down in Sky Studios. She's she's a great lady. She's a fantastic fighter. She's developing incredibly well under Steffi Ball. She's almost come from nowhere. You know, we knew about her as a sort of junior amateur, but then she sort of she lost interest with the sport. I think what Steffi's done has been fantastic. They've got a terrific relationship there. It, it's brilliant, and she's just gone on and performed in front of big crowds better and better. Uh, Eva Volstrom is a very, very good fighter, has been for a number of years. Obviously, we, we, we spent a lot of time with her around the Katie Taylor fight. Uh, she's got pedigree, she's got class, she's, you know, she's almost unbeaten you know if you take the, the move up to, to lightweight and Katie away she's she's but she is 39 you know she is uh, she may be there to be to be the timing as we were saying earlier maybe right for for Terry on this occasion Eva's got all the experience all the knowledge all the tricks Terry Harper looks a real fighter and a real star in the in the making I think this could be her night we don't know um, but it's going to be tough it's going to be a great fight and um, yeah look if Eva Volstrom comes through it that's because of her class her pedigree and it's just maybe a bit too soon for Terry but uh, it's a real opportunity for Terry Harper I think she can be a big star a couple of quick things to touch on before I let you shoot off and do some work Adam um, what is the latest with AJ Pulev where exactly does the land lie there yeah just waiting really need to talk to Eddie uh, I think it's close um, I made no secret from the fact that I want this fight in Britain. Um, if I have a choice, I want it at Tottenham Hotspur, the new stadium. Uh, I went to see it a few weeks ago. Um, I was overly impressed, and this is from a Liverpool fan, and we got the win there that day, which was good as well. My daughter was very happy, as was I, and I'd love to take Callum and the Smith brothers and all that to Anfield, but if you're looking at stadiums, what a stadium. It's incredible. Uh, I, I've been a, around the world to many, but the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, what is it, a year old now, it's, uh, it's state-of-the-art, and I think that Anthony Joshua coming back, hasn't fought in Britain for a couple of years, I think it will be a real statement with all his belts to fight Pulev at Tottenham Hotspur uh, in the spring or early summer, so that's something I really want to happen. Uh, I, I, I've told 
AJ personally, I've told Freddie Cunningham, I've told Eddie Hearn, I've told everybody that will listen that I think the fight should be at Tottenham Hotspur. Um, but look, there's a, there's a, you know, the Emirates are a great stadium, great stadium at Arsenal, Twickenham, there's others that are in the running, I think. There's obviously big money from other parts of the world, but if I have a choice, it's, it's Britain, and I'd love it to happen at Tottenham because I think it's the, the new stadium and it's something different, you know, with everything happening at Wembley with the Euros, it will be a, a really good one. And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, fingers crossed it can be made, but uh, not sure yet. And obviously, we've just had the Joseph Parker and Shondell Winters fight announced. Do you think that's kind of cleared the way for Usyk Chisora now? I think so, yeah. I think Usyk Chisora will happen. Um, I think it will happen some point in the spring. I'm looking forward to that fight. I think it's a really fascinating one. Good heavyweight fight. Um, so if we get Usyk Chisora done, we get Dillian in a big fight with a, an Andy Ruiz or a Povetkin or a Hunter or someone like that. There's a couple of real good heavyweight fights to, to watch out for. But let's not, let's not forget... Let's be really independent here. There's a massive fight in two weeks' time with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. There's also a big, big fight on domestic shores with Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce. So, you know, there's some really good fights as well that are happening over on BT. We're not going to ignore them. We're going to talk about them. But obviously, for us, we're so excited about AJ coming back. AJ coming back to fight Pulev. We're looking at Usyk Chisora, Dillian as well, and plenty more ahead on, on Sky. So, so much for fight fans out there, Andy. We'll leave it there, Adam, because I know you're a busy man and it's starting to build up now. So appreciate it, Tom, as always. I'll catch up with you soon. Thanks for being to Boxing Social. Cheers, mate. This is Andy Perroir for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm joined by Eddie Hearn. Eddie from Miami to Sheffield, yeah. how you doing? We're here baby, we're here. Uh, it was a great week last week. Great to be here. First show of 2020 in the UK, live on Sky Sports and zone. Massive turnout in Sheffield, big crowd coming on Saturday. Loved the press conference, loved the fights, loved the way Kel Brook is speaking. Can he deliver the performance to match the words? We look forward to seeing that on Saturday night. Let's start working for Ricard. Obviously, Brooke DeLuca. What was the thoughts behind it? And what exactly should we expect from Cal? 14 months without a fight now. Will we expect to see that ring rust? I, I believe you will see the ring rust, yeah. I think it's impossible not to see it. I mean, I think uh, when we look at the opponents, we wanted an opponent in the top 15 in the world. I've had Mark DeLuca now on three shows. Boxed really well last time out. Fit, strong, good work rate, speaks well, looks good. Nice man. Wanted to give him the opportunity. Kell Brook should be beating Mark DeLuca. If he doesn't, he's finished. You know, but I believe that Kell Brook, the great, the most refreshing thing about Kell Brook is his honesty and the fact that he says, I cut corners. You know, I wasn't disciplined. I didn't live the life. I know that because I saw it for 10 years. But once you admit that to yourself, it's easier to right the wrongs. Let's just hope it's not too late. Because if it's too late, it doesn't matter that you've decided now you should try harder or make weight better. If, you, if you're not the same fighter, you're not the same fighter and you'll get found out. But I believe Kell Brook remains one of the best talents in the world. And if he's still got the ability, this new hunger and drive is going to help him a lot. And I'm excited for the year ahead. What should we expect from Mark DeLuca then? How exactly do you see the fight playing out? I think uh, DeLuca's a, a decent counter-puncher, but can also fight going forward. It depends how he feels in the moment. If he's got the confidence, to put it into perspective, Mark DeLuca has been offered three or four fights recently since he entered the, the World Top 15. One of them was Israel Madrimov, our other guy. I think they looked at Madrimov and went, do you know what, he's young, he's fresh. When the Kell Brook offer come in, they went, yes. They think he's old, they think he's damaged goods, they think he might be shot. 
So they're taking the opportunity. They know if they beat Kelbrook in the UK, Mark DeLuca is absolutely buzzing. So, but I don't believe that un unless Kel is not the same fighter that he once was, I don't see how he can lose to DeLuca. But all the questions remain as to if he's still that same fighter. If Cal's successful, is a plan just to try and get a world title assault? Nobody seems to be claiming the titles for their own for one five four. Biggest fights. I mean, you know, he said tonight, I wanna I wanna be back on your your hot list, you know, I want, I want you to believe in me. And I do believe in him. But when you've been out for a year and you haven't been as disciplined as you should be, it's very easy to get overtaken by fighters that are active and are performing and are disciplined. But I will always have a soft spot for Kelbrook because he was the second fighter I ever signed. And he's been with us for like, coming up for 10 years. You know, and I'll never forget the night in Sean Porter. I mean, that Sean Porter win looks better and better and better as years goes on. You know, that was a long time ago in Los Angeles. And if he hadn't got injured, you know, in Tenerife, and then all everything started breaking down from there, he should have been unifying divisions. He should have been filling stadiums in the US. But as long as he's still got it, it's not too late. Just away from Callan onto uh, Kid Galahad facing Marrero yeah. in a final eliminator talking about. Really tough fight. Again, a lot of these fights, sometimes when you announce a card, people go, who's Mark DeLuca? Like, who's this geezer? He's useless. Who's Claudio Marrero? Do your research. Watch, watch Claudio Marrero. He can fight. This is a pure 50-50 fight, Marrero against Galahad. Galahad had a close fight with Josh Warrington, who is unquestionably the number one 126-pounder uh, right now in the world. Josh Warrington and Kid Galahad gave him a really good fight but I feel like with Kid Galahad sometimes he's got to be more offensive right he's got to stamp his authority on a fight he's got to try and set his feet and throw big shots and actually do damage you know this style that he has is very effective but it's not going to be fan friendly and against an aggressive fighter with good skills as well they're going to be hard to beat Marrero can box and move and can punch so I feel like Kid Galahad's got to sometimes take some chances, be aggressive himself, and try and make it make a statement in the fight because you can get run over with that style if you let someone win rounds and be more aggressive in you. Dave Allen returns on his card. I spoke to Dave yesterday and he said to me, for between 40 minutes and two hours, he wasn't sure. He felt like he was paralysed after the David yeah. Price fight. When you hear stuff like that, what's your thoughts on it? Do you feel that he should be fighting still? Certainly at this level. I mean, with all due respect to Dorian Darch, you know, he's, he shouldn't be causing Dave Allen too many problems on Saturday night. With what Dave has had to go through to be in the ring, medically, you know, mentally, is the right process to prove he is okay to be in the ring, right? So the British Boxing Board of Control, they basically made it impossible for him to fight on Saturday. He was going, driving, to getting reports at the last minute. You know, he even had uh, an eye test and the optician put down, instead of putting 2020, they put down 1920 and the board said we can't pass this eye test because they've put 1920. He said, well obviously I wasn't in the opticians in 1920. So he had to go back, get another one. Now when you talk about his back and stuff like that, he had to have all scans done on his back, you know, extra brain scans, everything. So every barrier has been put up for Dave Allen. And you know, the thing that tells me that he should be fighting is that he went through it all. He was texting me at times going, mate, they just they don't want me to fight. I'm just I'm not I don't know if I can do this anymore. I just said to him, mate, keep your nut down, you're training hard, just get it done. And he's got it done. So, Dave Allen is not the best heavyweight in the world, but he can win a British title. He won't have any problems with Dorian Darch on Saturday. If he does, he should, he should stop fighting. 
but you know he's a bit of a drama queen sometimes, Dave, isn't he? You know what I mean? Just a quick few questions away from his card because I know you're a busy man. What's it like with Anthony Joshua and Kubra Pulev? So very close to agreeing terms there now. Um, my simple, strict instructions from Anthony Joshua was get me back in the UK. And it's difficult because Kubrat Pulev wants as much money for this fight as possible. We've had offers from the Middle East, from the Far East, uh, from Africa, from America, and for more, more, much more money than he could make to fight in the UK. But sole strict instructions from AJ, give me a homecoming fight. That's all I want to do is fight in the UK. So London, Spurs is the likely location. June will be the month. Date will be announced soon. Finalising the deal with Top Rank and uh, Ivalo Gotsev and John Wirt. Nearly done. You announced another fight yesterday, Joseph Parker versus Sean Dal Winters. Talk to me about that one, Eddie. What was the decision behind it? Just because we looked at Joseph Parker, he's number two in the WBO, he needs to come back. Winters is coming off a really good win. He's top 15 in the world. He can punch. I think he's got 90% knockout rate or 95% knockout rate. I expect Joe Parker to deal with him in devastating fashion. If he doesn't, you know, he's not going to be very happy. Um, that card on February 29th is an absolute horny beast of a card. Mikey Garcia against Jesse Vargas, Calia Fire against Chocolatito, Julio Cesar Martinez against Jay Harris, Joseph Parker against Sean Del Winters, Murat Gassiev to be announced shortly, Israel Madrimov to be announced shortly, plus our card. It is the best card I've seen for years, top to bottom. Has Parker, has Parker Winters just cleared the way for Usyk Chisora? If so, when can we expect to see an announcement? That fight is again virtually done. You get an announcement on that next week. Um, all good. Oh, good. It might be a few weeks later than first expected, but uh, main thing is almost certain you're going to see Usyk Chisora in London. And finally, what's going on with Dylan White? We heard Povetkin's name yeah. and Andy Ruiz Jr. What, what's going on there? I think it'll be Povetkin next. Again, right now, it's a case of locking in. Good news for UK fight fans is Derek Chisora against Usyk, Dillian White against Povetkin, Anthony Joshua against Pulev. All be UK fights. But we need to spread them out one month apart. So that's what we're trying to do at the moment. And uh, we're on track. Uh, again, terms are agreed with, with Povetkin, basically. So we've just got to get the date and venue locked in and we're good to go. Dillian White, it's taking longer for him to get back in the ring because he's been doing so much work on the physical side. He wasn't happy with his performance in Saudi. Obviously, he took the fight on short notice. He was heavy. I wanted him to fight in March. Now it looks like it could be May. So it's been a bit frustrating in that respect. But basically, the Povetkin fight's ready to go. Well, Eddie, I appreciate your time. Thank you for speaking to Boxing Social. Cheers, mate. This is Ryan Elliott for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. We're in Sheffield today. We've just had the final press conference two days out from Kelbrook versus Mark DeLuca. With me, the bazooka. Mark, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing today? Very good. Thank you for asking. We've just had the press conference there. Very respectful to Perry between each other, but all business two days' time. Yeah, it's all business. Um, you know, I'm not much of a, uh, a trash talker. Uh, you know, my uh, my style speaks for itself. So, um, and a fighter like Kel only deserves admiration and respect. So I'll give it to him in the press conference. But you know, fight night could be my little niece across the the ring. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to kick her in the teeth. So how long have you been out here in the UK now? I think this is your first professional fight in Europe. How have you found acclimatizing? How long have you been out here? I've been here since Sunday. Um, yeah, I acclimatized pretty well. I, my, my sleep schedule is back on track. And um, 
Yeah, you know, I come from a similar type of atmosphere and from Boston, so the weather's the same and, you know, it's, you know, it's not too, too foreign for me. Now, I read somewhere that you said in the build-up to this that winning this fight, you know, such a big welterweight name such as Kell Brook would be like winning a world title for you. That's what you said. Have you had that extra spring in your step going into this fight? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's not really the, the belts or, you know, the, it's not really the belts for me, you know. It, it's, it's more the, the man I'm fighting. So I'm fighting a former world champion. Um, he's fought, you know, he's fought and proved his grit against the boogeymen of, of the sport and Triple G and Errol Spence. So just the, just the fact that I get to get in there and mix it up with a guy like Kell Brook is equivalent to a world title for me. I just wanted to go back to something you said in the press conference there, which, which people watching this may not have heard or seen. Uh, when you spoke to the great Ray Mancini years and years ago when you were a young budding professional, can you just tell me a bit about those words? And it's unbelievable how something like that can stick in your mind for so long as well. What sort of advice did he give you way back when? Yeah, I, I spoke to Boom Boom Mancini actually through Facebook, and uh, we were chatting it up, and um, I asked him for advice for a young, a young pro, and he told me to uh, work hard and pay my dues. And that's, you know, I've been working hard for my whole career, and now I'm here in Sheffield ready to pay my dues. And then uh, we'll go from there. Now, just to go back to yourself and your backstory, but this is the first time we've had you on our channel. I read somewhere that you were, you were a military reserve, and I think you were 8-0 at the time when you were sort of made active and sent out to Afghanistan. What was that experience like going from being a young budding fighter to going over there and serving your time? Yeah, it was a good change-up with uh, life experience, you know, being over in Afghanistan and, and uh Joining a, an, an elite force like the, the Marine Corps, uh, it's only complemented my boxing, and my boxing complemented my Marine Corps career as well. So, um, yeah, I'm very, uh, yeah, I'm very fond of the experience, and but now it's business. It's all boxing, and we're going full forward. As you mentioned, you, I've, I've heard you say it in the past, and you've said it there that the two almost at times went hand in hand. You know, coming from boxing background and going into the military, I appreciate they are two completely different ball games. But do you feel that? that time out there and in that military background as well has sort of helped your boxing in a way maybe the mental side of things if nothing yeah uh, maybe with maturity you know uh, being in the Marine Corps you know you have to take care of yourself take care of the man next to you and uh, definitely assume re responsibility beyond yourself so um, it matured me being in the Marine Corps for, for real now obviously all week I'm sure you've had people saying to you is this the same Kell Brook is, is the hunger still there are we seeing the end of his career all this stuff but I'm guessing from your perspective, it would be disrespectful to prepare for anything less than that top-tier fighter we saw at the, at, the, at the welterweight scene and now moving up, obviously, in weight as well. Yeah, not only disres disrespectful, it would be foolish for me to, uh, to come in his backyard and, and think that I'm, you know, I'm not in there with a, with a game prime former world champion. You know? So uh, you know, I don't know how to prepare for um, former world champions, five and five fighters, good fighters, bad fighters. I prepare hard for every fight. So, uh, and that's what I did with this camp. My coach, Hector Bermudez, put me through a, a rigorous uh, camp, so I'm, I'm very ready. You've been in a good run of form recently. We saw the Brandon Brewer win, um, a great fight by all accounts. You got the win. Do you feel that confidence flowing? You're on a great run, and obviously you've got yourself here on the big stage abroad now as well. Yeah, you know, every fight's uh, a learning experience, and um, not just, uh, you know, from a technical standpoint, um, but just experience in general, you know, being in front of, uh, being next to Eddie Hearn and... and being on a stage like this, that 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 takes experience. That you know, that that takes a lot of uh, that takes. That's part of the boxing career as well. So you know, I'm I'm collecting that as we go along, and each fight is teaching me more and more, and that's what it's all about. Uh, going back to that Brewer fight, I'm sure you caught Eddie's eye. It was a fan-friendly fight, very enjoyable fight. Do you expect another fan-friendly affair on Saturday? Do you think the fans can be excited for this? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think so. You know, I, I fight my style. I'm, you know, I'm not. I'd love to look good, but I'm, I'm here to win. So if I get to do that ugly, I'll do it ugly. If I have to, you know, if it comes spectacular, it comes spectacular. So I kind of just, I don't really uh, worry about those things. At my performance, I kind of just try to get that win, no matter how I can get it. Obviously, there are huge cultural differences even between the U.S. fans and the U.K. fans. The U.K. fans, we know, like to make a lot of noise, get behind the fire. Have you any idea what to expect in the arena Saturday night? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of drinking. There's going to be a lot of yelling. There's going to be some, what is it, the, the, the soccer, the football chants, you know. Um, yeah, I'm aware of it. You know, Boston's all, you know, big Irish uh, community. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a little hip to the hip to it. Mark, final word for all those that are going to be tuning in, all those cheering you on from back home as well. What would you say to them ahead of Saturday night? I mean, I've, I've gotten massive support and a lot of well wishes and kind words from people back home and, and from UK fans as well. So uh, I just don't want to disappoint anybody. And I, I just I, I, I would like everyone to know that I prepared 100% and I'll give 100% effort on Saturday. And I think my best is, my, is good enough, so we'll see. Mark, a pleasure. Thank you very much for taking, making time for me. Best of luck Saturday. We'll see you soon. Thank you, bro.